Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dano, and with me we have Pato. Welcome, Pato. Thanks, Dano. Good to be here for another week. As always, we'll start off now with the injuries, Pato. And um, yeah, take it away. Yeah, this one hurt a lot and uh, we've been crying crying out for Thursday night teams and I think we might be getting it, but let's keep our fingers crossed with this one. But I got struck with Zach Williams being named out on Saturday night and I'd already done my trades. I was away. I took my girlfriend away for her birthday and um, missed the, the selection. So had to have had my trades finalized and copped the Zach Williams donut. So first donut of the year and it, it hurt me a lot. Yeah, well, he should be back anyway. Trent Cochin was another one. He did his hammy, like, right at the end of the game. Yeah, it's good for Riley Collier-Dawkins, though. Yeah, no, nah, um, tough for Cochin. He had a really big week after it really scrutinised in the media. But um, as you said, really good for Riley Collier-Dawkins, who finally debuted and looked pretty good in there, replacing Dusty in the midfield. Uh, Trent Cochin coming out means he's going to keep that spot in the guts. So... He's a lock and load for next week, but I'd rather one more week for him. Yeah. What happened with Nicky Cox, Pato? Uh, didn't arm. I didn't see the game because I was away, but uh, fan footy reported that he had a, a, something happened to his arm, um, went off, got it strapped up, had a jab, whatever he do, whatever they do down at Essendon. We know they love a jab. <laughs> um, came back on and played the rest, but hopefully he plays. I don't think it's too serious. He's not showing up on the injury list, but... Hopefully, he still say, plays this week. Well, the next one, Heath Chapman is out for a little bit. Uh, he was too busy popping and locking. He popped out his shoulder. Um, so, yeah, he, he came back on the field. But just before we started recording this, he he was announced that he will be out for a little bit. So, Chapman is one that we got to worry about. Um, Lukey Ryan, though, Paddo, what's going on there? Uh, so, he did a car for training last week. We reported it on Twitter Um, we were all over that, but it looked like it could be a one-weeker. They've come out and said he'll probably miss another one this week. So Luke Ryan's not in too many teams. He's scoring pretty decently, though, so he could be hurting quite a number of teams. Yep, yep. Travis Boak, uh, he missed last week, but we said it was just going to be the one week. He should be back this week for the Crows matchup. Yeah, Boak will be fine. They really missed him on the weekend, got absolutely belted. Um, he'll be straight back in. And I know a lot in the Supercoach community, I know the people that I follow on Twitter and stuff, they were looking at bringing him in. He's still a trading option. He might be even better for the week off. Maybe he was just a bit sore. Um, one week off, I'd be definitely keeping an eye on Travis Boat myself. Yeah, well, a shout out to Jay who uh, stupidly traded Travis Boak in and didn't realise that we announced that he was out for the week and he, yeah, he got locked out. So... Sorry, Jay, but listen to the podcast more. Anyway, the last one, Burton. What happened there? Uh, he subbed out. He had a bit of a shoulder issue. He got subbed out of their game. Um, but they're saying he should play this week, so not to worry too much. Um, he'll still be dirt cheap for anyone that might be looking at him as a cheaper option. He's priced at 408000 so he's nice and cheap. Break even of seventy six. So if you're going to strike him, you want to strike him now. Um, but averaging 81... 
might be a nice little POD. Shown some history of okay scoring. Had 127 against the Saints in round six, and then the injury affected 41 on the weekend. So could be an option, not for me personally, but I know there were people that were looking at him. Concerns for the week, Pato. This one hurts. I know you love talking about him, so take it away. Yeah, um, this is a really big one, and I think a lot of people should be concerned with this one. Max Gorn. So his centre bounce attendances were right down on the weekend, and he was quoted after the game as saying that that was planned from the Melbourne coaching staff for Ben Brown coming in. So I'll, I'll break it down a bit. So Max Gorn, rather than getting rotated off the field and coming onto the interchange bench to rest, he would rest a lot down forward or even sometimes down back behind the ball. But with Ben Brown coming in, obviously Melbourne have seen that we don't really need him ahead of the ball because we have that big target up ahead of the ball now. So I wouldn't be panicking just yet, but I'm a bit anxious to see whether that stays up because a 63 is absolutely putrid. We talked him up as a captaincy option last week because he had 200 against Goldstein in Tasmania last time they played against each other. So Melbourne could be throwing a bit of a spanner in the works with Max Gorn here. Yeah, and the other thing to factor in as to why they're doing it is they've got a lot of faith in Jackson now. I mean, he's had two back-to-back 100-plus scores now, and he's also got the rising star nom. So he's tracking along nicely. He's the heir apparent to Maxi Gorn. So there's another thing that they're factoring in too. Yeah, uh, Luke Jackson is going to be a star. Top three draft pick. You don't pick a ruck at the, with the third um, pick in the draft if you don't have big raps on him. And I know they love him down at Melbourne. Uh, finally got his Rising Star nomination. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation down at Melbourne. But we've got to keep an eye on it because Maxi Gorn's at 726000 He's going to plummet in price if he keeps this up and break even of 223 So something to think about. My boy, Callum Mills. So he's a concern to me. I originally picked him, as did many others, for the fact is that he was playing in the middle. Horses like, yep, you're in the guts, sweet as. Started pumping out big scores. Now, did he have any midfield minutes on the weekend, Pato? So he didn't attend one centre bounce on the weekend. Uh, really concerning. So he was matched up against Gary Rowan. Um, I don't know whether it was just a matchup that horse liked or whether he's just up to his old tricks again. So we've seen it before. We've been sucked in before. Isaac Heaney has spent the first four or six weeks of past seasons in the midfield, absolutely tearing it up. We all bring him into our super coaches. We think this is finally the year that he plays the midfield, blah, blah, blah. And then they get put back into their roles. And I really hope that's not the case for Callum Mills. Uh, He still scored 101. So you look at that and without knowing what he did on the weekend, you think, shit, that's a great score for a, for a defensive premium. But the fact that he didn't play any midfield minutes um, is quite concerning. So um, watch this space. If you're thinking of bringing Callum Mills in, I would hold off and just see how he does in the next few weeks and whether he gets back into the midfield. Um, but we'll monitor this situation closely. Another one that we are monitoring is Matty Flynn. Now, we know the Giants are being strategic with when they're using Flynn and when they're using Mummy. But at the moment... Stevie J has come out and said Shane Mumford is the number one ruck choice at the Giants. And he's only played the one game from his break. So the concerns now are Matty Flynn, he's sitting at 273K. He's got the lowest break even known to man, but will he actually play 
a game. And honestly, I can't see it happening. I was hoping that it would be this week because logically up against Essendon and their rookie ruck, that would be the time to play him and give Mummy another rest before he comes up against the big guns. But the Giants might just want to try and bank that W and try and get as many of their best players out there as possible. And Flinney is actually a good player, but Mummy is just being an absolute freak show at the moment. And it's showing in his super coach scoring as well. So the Giants are three and zero with Mummy in the side and they're zero and four with Flynn in the side. So. Yeah. It's a bit of a frustrating situation and even more frustrating for people like yourself. Don't know who started him at R2. So I've got him sitting on my bench as an R3. Um, I haven't been too concerned just yet. Like, yes, it's frustrating that he's not making money. Um, but the fact that he could still be playing every two or three weeks was still kind of calming for me. But just looking at this fixture, Dano, um, it makes no sense to me. We'll see, obviously, what they do on the weekend. Hopefully on Thursday night, we'll know. Um, but up against Nick Bryan, as, who is literally a second game ruck at Essendon, it makes the most sense to me because following that game, the Giants play the Tigers, and I'm not sure. They've already said that, that Mumford can't play three games in a row. He's just too old. He, there's too much soul in his body, and he'll have to get rested. So to me, I would be playing Flynn this weekend. Hopefully, we can get one more price rise out of him, get him over 300K, and then we'll reassess next week. And then play Mumford against Nankervis, who is also a big bruising ruckman. And, I mean, the Giants are going to want to get up against the Richmond because I know they'd still be seething from 2019. Sorry to bring that up again, Dano. Um, but then, after that, they've got Nick Nat and the Eagles, who obviously isn't an easy task yet either. So... Um, that's what I would do. Um, but we know Leon Cameron sometimes doesn't really show much of an idea of what he's doing. So um, we'll see what they do. Yep. Tex Walker had 42 points on the weekend. We know uh, avid listener Luke was cracking the shits because Tex lost him money. We already told him that he should have jumped off anyway. But here we are talking about Tex Walker again. So he got a 42. Our next four games are pretty tough. Um, is it time to jump off, Pato? Because I reckon, or well, I reckon it was time to jump off last week, but over to you. Yeah, we called it last week that uh, Sammy Collins would towel Taylor Walker up, and sure enough, it happened, and the Giants show towed the Crows up. But uh, the next four weeks are very tough for the Crows and Tex Walker. So they've got the showdown this weekend against Port Adelaide. That's not going to be an easy matchup against Tommy Jonas. Following that, they've got the Eagles over in Perth, which are never an easy prospect. Then they've got ladder leaders, Melbourne. I mean, I wouldn't have thought I'd be saying that in May, but anyway. And then they've got the Tigers. Um, so that's a really tough month ahead. Um, it gets a little bit easier after that. But if you brought Taylor Walker in just to make money, I think he's served his purpose. Um, he's gone up plenty in value. And I think it's probably time to, to jump off. But it depends on the rest of your team. So we're going to talk about some players that are probably ready to go out. Um, but if you're tossing up between a Taylor Walker and a Jimmy Rowe, um, you probably have to jump off Jimmy Rowe because even a poor game for Taylor Walker, you're probably still going to get your 50 or 60, whereas a poor game for Jimmy Rowe, as we've seen, can be fucking 20 or 30. Um, so it's a points versus price sort of decision. And I think if you're tossing up between Walker and Rowe, unless Walker is going to get you to an actual premium, um, I think Rowe's probably the one, but we'll go through that again a bit later. Yep. Steel side bottom. I brought this man in and his set of bounces attended uh, fucking down. 
So what do you reckon? Is it his age? Is it the position of the pies? Uh, what's going on here? He, he, it, it wasn't too bad, what, like what he scored, but I, like I expected him to get above 100. Anyway, what do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, so he scored 85, which isn't horrible for a forward this year, but if you're bringing steel side bottom in, you're expecting more than 85. And when guys like Zorko were priced about the same last week, you're picking side bottom over Zorko, you're expecting a higher score or at least a similar score. Um, look, he had a lot of center bounce attendances against the Bombers in the Anzac game. Um, I think that was a ploy to probably try and win that game. It didn't work. Um, Collingwood may have had a shift in focus and thought, look, we're not probably going to win the flag, even though they're coming out and said, oh, we're mathematically still possible. Get fucking real, Collingwood. You're not making the finals. Um, but <laughs> Dacos was the one that actually took his centre bounce attendances, as well as Degoe, that overrated fucking flog. But anyway. Um, hey, Mark Dusty. So, <laughs> wish Dusty, yes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, look, side bottom is probably going to get thrown forward a fair bit from the rest of the year. So, Look, he may still be a top six or eight forward. Um, that's how bad the forward line is this year. But if you're expecting him to play in the midfield every week, I'd be thinking twice. In saying that, he's got a big milestone game this weekend. It's 250th, I believe. Um, so he may get up and have a big one for that. They might get him in the guts for that. But you're not paying this sort of price for him to play in the guts every two weeks. So a bit concerning for side bottom owners. Rowan Marshall with Ryder in the team. Ryder's clearly the first choice Ruckman. Marshall can also play forward and kick a snag. Uh, what did he score on the weekend, Pato? And what do you reckon? I, I personally can see Marshall and Ryder coexisting. We've seen it in the past, uh, but we do know that Ryder scores better when he's a sole Ruck. But over to you. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mentioned last week that I'd be very bullish on Rowan Marshall with Ryder in the team. Um, sure enough, he scored an 86 with Ryder in the team and Ryder clearly is the preferred ruck and rightfully so. He's a superstar in that ruck. Um, but yeah, look, I'm not convinced that he's a proper premium playing as a, a sole forward. Um, he averaged 104 last year while playing more as a second ruck. So look, he's not horrible in that role, but... I would like to see it a little bit more because he's scoring 86 and they flogged on the weekend. Um, I'd be watching this space with Marshall. Well, it could also be a points distribution thing because they fucking flogged them. Uh, Very true. And we say that with the Bulldogs and it, it sounds weird saying it about the Saints because they're fucking shit. But anyway, <laughs> Chankuth yeah, Chiaf. What a they can't play Hawthorne every week. Oh, yeah, exactly. You can't play the Hawks every week. Jane Cuth GF, speaking of the Hawks, uh, got a 49, three-round average of 73. He's made his money, and his break-even is now up to 104. What do you reckon, Pato? Is it time to jump off? I say keep him because there are other fucking issues that we have this week that we'll talk about later. But what do you reckon? Yeah, look, I, I mentioned – I put this one in the run sheet only because there are people that brought in Jaff um, as a potential keeper – this is just evident that he was always going to probably run into a bit of a wall um, just for that fitness base. that isn't quite there for a proper premium, um, but he looks to have hit his price point. So if you're lucky enough not to have a thousand other issues, like I feel like I do, um, I'd be jumping off Jath. I don't have him personally, but his break even is up to 104. And if you brought him in to make some money, he's made plenty. He's up to 421,000. 
I think it's probably time to cash in on him. So I'd, I'd say hold off just because if you've got your Chapmans and whatnots and your Sandberries and all that, and you've got a lot of DNPs listed, there's bigger fish to fry than Jankuth GF who might just come out and hit his break even anyway. We'll talk about the two that we thought one or the other would actually fucking kill it. And instead, um, Jezza Cameron and Tom Hawkins were both pretty shit ass. I'm still going to have faith that Tomahawk will bounce back from his poor game. Uh, Jezza, I'm not so sure. I just wasn't sure about him. But yeah, Tomahawk, I wouldn't be afraid of him. But Jezza, I'd just lay off. What do you reckon, Pato? Uh, yeah, look, I wouldn't be too concerned. They play the Swans, who are a very defensive team. They're very good down back. Um Jezza still has these three goals and got 49 for that. So they've got the Tigers on Friday night. So I can't see either of them having a big game, even though Dylan Grimes is going to miss. Um, but look, I'd still think either of them are an option down the track. And it really is a bit of a roulette as to which one you think is going to score more. Um, no doubt, whoever I choose will be the other one that jumps, that, that goes nuts. So Dana, I'm sure you're hoping that I jump on Jeremy Cameron, so Tom Hawkins can be the one that averages 100 from there on in. But, um, <laughs> yeah, look, I would hold off another week if I'm looking at either of those two um, and maybe bring them in for next week after they play the Tigers. Speaking of one that we're going to hold off a little bit longer for is Isaac Heaney. He's got a 19 on the weekend. He's been struggling. He's he's going to get below 300,000. Mark my words, he will get there. He's got 139 break even. What do you reckon, Pato? Uh, if you got Haney, what would you do? Uh, if you've got him, you're just going to have to hold and deal with the issues. Um, he's carrying this broken hand. He came back early from the broken hand. It's probably a bit of a pressure from the Swans because I think they're probably a chance to make the eight. And I mean, they knocked off the Cats, which was fucking brilliant to see because they were absolutely robbed. And karma is a wonderful thing. But anyway, um, also had a couple of other issues. So he's really banged up. Um, he's going to be very, very cheap in probably two weeks. Um, once this 19 is at the back end of his three round rolling average. Um, so yeah, look, definitely one to chuck on the watch list and bring him in in a couple of weeks under 300,000, which is just nuts. Yeah, I know it's fucking insane. We'll go on to, uh, our bubble boys. So players that have got Two games to the names that are pretty much rookie priced. Um, we'll start off Martin Frederick of the Port Adelaide Power, not the Magpies. Fuck you, Koshi. Um, he's 123K, minus 88 break even. He's got an 81 average. Do you reckon his spot cemented? I reckon it is. Uh, but what do you reckon, Pato? I really hope it is. Um, he, he's looked good. The only thing is, because he's such a young player, I hope he's not made a scapegoat for them getting pumped by the Lions on the weekend. Um, with an 81 average and a break even so low, I hope he keeps his spot at least for a month or up until their bye. Um, that's a perfect case scenario for all of us super coach players. Uh, but yeah, look, we'll see what happens. Hopefully he isn't made a scapegoat and hopefully they don't hit the panic button just because they got pumped for one week. Um, Travis Boak will come in. He'll sort of cement their midfield up a little bit. Um, and hopefully Frederick isn't being made a scapegoat for them getting pumped. Tommy Highmore, come on, Brett Ratton. What the fuck, son? What the fuck did Highmore do to you, mate? Honestly, does he have like 
pictures of your nudes or some shit he, like what 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 does he have usually like when they got pictures of the nudes you say in the side what did he do to piss you off like what the fuck anyway tommy highmore he's stuck in the vfl he's still on two games how many touches did he have on the weekend pato should he come back yeah. in pretty much just tell brett white what to do because he's a fuckwit yeah, very frustrating to mention this guy every week, and we're all saying it, but he had 30 touches in the twos, um, playing as an intercept defender, absolutely killing it. One of the Zebras best every week. Um, not sh- sure what else he can do. Um, the issue is they pumped a pathetic Hawthorne on the weekend, which just means that they're going to get this false sense of security that, oh, maybe we've turned the corner because Paddy Wright has come back in the team. Um, so we don't have to make changes. When in reality... I don't even know who they've got this weekend, but if they're playing a half decent team, they'll probably get fucking flogged again. Um, and maybe then, maybe then we'll realize that Highmore needs to be in this fucking team. Come on, rats. Well, they are playing the Suns at Metricon. I hope they knock them off and realize that Highmore needs to be in this team. I hope Highmore plays this week, to be honest. Yeah, we're all hoping that. Nick Murray, 102K defender, 50 average, minus 39 break even. What do you reckon, Pato? Is he a must-have? Um, yeah, the next couple are much of a muchness, really. They're both averaging around 50, but Nick Murray as a 102K defender is a slightly better prospect only because he's a bit less in price. So it, it, it's all based off uh, Nick Murray's job security and whether he keeps in his team, whereas Nathan Murphy for the Pies, 123K defender, his averaging is pretty much the same, but I think he's got better job security than Murray. So, look, much of a muchness. I'll probably be bringing Murphy and Frederick in this week as a double downgrade, only because I prefer Murphy's job security than Nick Murray. But um, no doubt I'll make the wrong decision there. Murphy <laughs> will break a leg and Nick Murray will average 100 from here on in. The last one that we've got of the Bubble Boys is Riley Thrill Thorpe. Okay, Riley Philthorpe, uh, 202K ruck slash forward, minus 25 break even. He did have that one huge round first game that's inflated his score to a 73 average. Yeah, he had uh, 55 on the weekend. So probably about what you can expect from him. He's not going to play the Hawks every week um, where he had that bigger score. But at 202,000, I don't think is a very good option. Um, although if he stays in the team, he's a ruck forward swing. Games being played is pretty handy with our rookies because I don't know about everyone else, but I'm getting way too many DNPs in my team um, and on my bench. So if he's a rookie that's going to play, he could be a decent option as that ruck forward swing. Yep. I'll quickly go over the one gamers uh, to eye off because uh, we're going to run out of time if we keep talking. So one game has got Riley Collier-Dawkins, 123K mid, scored a 67 um, good scoring potential and good job security there. So we got Caleb Poulter. Uh, he's 117K mid slash forward. Got a 52. Nicky Bryan, the Bombers young ruck, 123K. He could be a downgrade target for Matty Flynn. Um, and then Matthew Owies. Okay, Matthew, I fucking hurt myself. Owies, 123K forward, 67. Kicked three snaggeroonies. So we quickly brush over them because we'll probably focus on them next week because Pretty much all of them will play this week. So trading options, start us off, Pato. Uh, here's one that I've been big on uh, all year. Um, Stephen May, 408,000. So we thought he'd drop under 400,000. Um, he had that injury-affected score. 
But then he comes out with 145 on the weekend, um, which is just huge. But if you take away his injury effective score, he's averaging 100. And his break is down at five. He will not be any cheaper. Now, this just screams Tommy Stewart from last year, who from memory got down to about 370,000 in that week that everyone was just like, well, we have to bring him in um, and averaged 100 from there on in. So I think Stephen May is the one to do something very similar this year if you're looking for a nice, cheap premium option this week. Another one which you don't have on the run sheet, which I'm going to mention, is Caleb Daniel. So he got 117 on the weekend. He's actually priced at 412K and his break-even's at 51. So he's likely going to hit that. Um, and he's another option. So it's pretty much um, much of, of muchness between May and Daniel. Whichever one you go for, I don't think you can really go wrong, to be honest. I'm going to disagree on you a little bit there, Dano. Now, I actually mentioned when Caleb Daniel missed that one week through his suspension that you shouldn't be trading him out. Um, he's a premium. And for one week, I don't think it's worth a trade. But in terms of a trade-in option, I don't like Caleb Daniel. I'll explain quickly why. Bailey Williams is out. He's done a collarbone and he's going to be in the, back in the next week or two. Now they really like the ball in his hands because the game is being screwed more towards a longer kicking style, which suits Bailey Williams. And there's another Bailey down in that de- defense that they also like the ball in their hands. And that's Bailey Dale. Um, so we'll talk about Bailey Dale in just a little while, but I would, if I was looking at Caleb Daniel as a trading option, I'd want to see him play alongside both of those Baileys and just see what he's scoring like first, even though he is pretty cheap this week. Yep. Sammy Walsh, 606K, 102 break even, 120 average, three round average of 135. He's just killing it, man. What do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, um, he is having an absolute breakout season. Um, third year in the system, top draft pick. Um, really hurts not having him, but I don't think he's going to be cheaper than what he is right now at 606,000. The only thing I'd have to be slightly concerned about is the possibility of a tag. Now, I don't know how he has dealt with a tag in the past. I don't know whether he's even been tagged before, but I feel like he's playing so well that teams aren't going to keep ignoring his impact on games. Um, Maybe even starting this week, they've got the Bulldogs on the weekend who aren't traditional taggers, but they might get someone like Libba to pay a bit more closer attention to him and make sure he doesn't have that impact. So we'll see what happens, but he's absolutely dominating this year and back into last year. So it's really hard to ignore. Humor cluggage, our boy from last week, AKA the clug, AKA the suitcase, 573K, 97 break even, 104 average, 128 over the last three. Ever since he started playing inside mid, he has been absolutely fucking killing it. Pado, is this the time to strike at 573k? Uh, yeah, if you've got the cash, I think he's at a really good price. And I'm not sure if he's going to keep up this role, which all signs indicate that he's going to keep up this role, especially with Lockie Neal out for quite a number of weeks still. Um, look, 128 averaging over the last three weeks and quite a high average playing as an inside mid. I think it's really hard to ignore. And I can see him being a top 10 midfield in this role. Yeah, same, same. Christian Salem, 542K, 106 average, 126 three-round average. He did have that fucking monster score in there too. He's only owned by 2% of teams. Now, is he going to be potentially fulfilling that potential that we all knew that he did have? He's sort of been a bit mediocre 
in terms of accumulation, but he's always been clean and effective with his disposals. So now it looks like the Demons are feeding him the ball more. They want it in his hands. Is this the season for Christian Salem Paddo? Uh, yeah, look, he's kind of flying under a lot of people's radars down back. He's in just 2% of teams, as you said, but he's averaging 106. Um, he's only had two scores in the 70s. Everything else has been over 92. Um, and he has big games. So he's had that 167 against the Tigers. So, look, I don't think you can keep ignoring him. I think the rules this year, as well as Melbourne being pretty good this year, I think that it really plays into someone like Christian Salem's hands. Um, and I can see him rolling on with this. His break-even is 53. So before we know it, he's going to get up over 600,000. Um, and if he keeps averaging over 100, I mean, sky's the limit for someone like him. Now, you've got a little bit of a crazy, crazy idea with this next one. So I'll let you take it away, Pato. It's about Shane Mumford, of all players. It is. Um, if I had a thought that I'd be running a podcast this year and talking about Shane Mumford as a trade-in option. If you had told me that at the start of the year, I would have told you to make sure I don't pick up an ice pipe. Um, but anyway, <laughs> here goes. So we we spoke about Max Gorn before and his change of roles. If Ben Brown coming into the team is going to affect him this much, if you have Will Barrow testicles, is it crazy to suggest, Dano, that trading Max Gorn before he plummets in price down to Shane Mumford, who's priced at 470000 pocket the change and have his average... He's averaging 121, which is just absurd. This is Shane Mumford, mind you, not Max Gorn. Um, but he's in just 1.2% of teams. Now, if you've got Matty Flynn on the bench, you don't have to worry about Mumford getting rested every three weeks because you've got coverage with the guy that is replacing Mumford on your bench. So you're always going to have that playing GWS ruck. Am I bonkers, Dano? I actually don't mind it. Now, there used to be a theory back in the day, or it wasn't so much of a theory, but it was like a strategy where you'd pick up someone that's like a mid-pricer and that you know is going to make a shit ton of money and you then trade them out when they've pretty much peaked and it's a fast track of getting that money. But with the Shane Mumford side of things, it's a little bit different because if you do have the Flynn and Mumford switcheroo, I don't think you can ever really worry about your ruck line until one of them potentially gets injured or if Bruce comes back from injury and just absolutely slays it in the VFL and they've got no choice but to pick him. Now, Bruce isn't coming back for a little bit still um, past mid-season, but the way that it's going, it isn't as crazy as it sounds, Pato. You just got to remember that Mumford isn't going to play three weeks in a row. That's all you got to factor in. And you got to weigh up the cost of points over that time compared to just having gone on the field than having Mumford and Flynn both rotating through your rucks. But it's not a bad strategy and it's something to strongly consider, especially if you're someone like me at the moment who is struggling to find a little bit of cash generation with all these DNPs everywhere. And it might be a, a good way to get maybe a, a mid-pricer that's actually playing like a premium or a fallen premium from one bad score into your side and still have a playing Ruckman. I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but... You've got the cover if Mumford does get 
rested with Matty Flynn. Um, and I'm pretty sure I looked at the injury list before. Um, I think Bruce is still six to eight weeks away. So um, we don't have to worry about that at least until the buys. Um, and if you want to be a little bit creative, that's going to be the sort of person that is going to win Supercoach. You're not going to win Supercoach doing the same thing that everyone else on Twitter is doing. Correct. So correct. Look, you got to think outside the square and it's probably thinking outside the, the hemisphere, not just the square. Um, but something like this, as crazy as it sounds, could catapult you. If you're sitting top thousand, it could get you into the top 100. Um, I'm miles off that, so I don't have to worry about that. But if you can do with that 250,000 from Gorn to Mumford by upgrading Rowe to Dusty coming back or to a fallen premium like Tom Mitchell, Shea Bolton, um, Shea Bolton. Um, if you can use that money elsewhere by not sacrificing too much money, uh, too much, sorry, scoring, because Mumford's averaging 121. And as it stands, that's only nine less than Max Gorn, um, which is absurd. Obviously, we've got that 63 in there to affect Gorn's average. Um, but Mumford isn't scoring poorly. So something to maybe think about really left of centre. Yep. Joel Selwood, who would have thought that we'd be talking about him this year? 535k. 50 break even, 113 fucking average, 119 over three rounds in 4% of teams. Can we say he's too old considering that the old, pretty much the oldest man or nearly the oldest man in the competition might be leading the brown low? I don't know. Um, but what do you reckon, Pado? Yeah, I mean, Monday's not on the run sheet, but um, he is someone else that's also old and absolutely killing it. But um, they've tried to phase Joel Selwood out of their midfield. Um, and I feel like, Richmond are kind of trying to do the same with Trent Cochin, but that's another issue. Um, but with Dangerfield's injury and the fact that Geelong have looked shaky at times, they've had no option but to break glass and get Selwood back into that midfield. And um, he's absolutely killing it. He's a proven scorer. The only issue is he has picked up injuries late in the seasons for the last couple of years. So I don't know if you can bank on him not getting injured. Um, and Dangerfield is going to return at some stage this year as well. So whether he moves back out onto the wing or a half back or something remains to be seen. But he's absolutely killing it. And it's this just left of centre thinking that he's going to really help catapult your team. So Selwood is a proven scorer, as I said. So not a bad option. Yep. Another old man. Well, couldn't you really call him old? Rory Sloan, 507k, 119 average. He returns this week from his... Weird ass fucking retinal surgery. Um, so never never would have thought I'd say that, but yeah, 2.7% of teams. Um, is he one to potentially bring in, bring in Pato, or do you reckon just hold off? Yeah, another proven scorer. Um, but looks like he's coming back this week straight into the showdown um against the crows. So he's gonna be pretty hungry to get his team over the line. He's averaging 119, um, which is huge. And Obviously, only played the three games, had a poor-ish, well, a poor game at 97 against the Swans, but two other big games aside from that. So he looked good before his injury. Um, it's only an eye injury, so it's not like he did a calf or a hamstring or anything that's going to affect his playing. He's had a couple of weeks off um, in just 3% of teams and was absolutely killing it before this eye injury. So, um, look, 507000 he's very cheap. Um, his break even is 65, so he's not going to be much cheaper at all this season. So could be a cheeky down, uh, option this week. 
Andy Brayshaw. We talk. This, I think this is the third fucking week in a row that we've talked about Andy Brayshaw. He's 507k in 12% of teams. He's the 15th ranked midfielder in Supercoach. If you don't have him, you got to get him in. What do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, um, I I bailed on my word again last week and didn't oh. bring him in again. Um, but I got McRae in and I just felt like I had to bring McRae in. And that's obviously the reason he scored 107 and had his worst game of the year so far. Um, so I apologised for that community. Um, but Andy Brayshaw is still an, a trading option. His break-even is now down to 70. So he's going to keep rising up in the rankings. But without those two tad games, he's averaging probably 125 or so. So he's a great option. We mention him every week, but that's how big we are on this guy. Um, get this kid in. He's a fucking star, and um, he's going to kill it for the rest of the year. Yep. Another one who I'll, I'll let you talk about, Pato, because I know that you want to stroke the gherkin about this, this guy, so take it away. Yeah, look, um, I mentioned last week that Shea Bolton, we should be a bit bullish on um, only because of Prestia coming back into the team, but... Uh, we, when we needed a match winner on Friday night against a team that was undefeated and everyone was talking about as a premiership chance, um, Shay Bolton was the one that stood up. And um, he's a forward in super coach. His three-round average is 110, um, which is just huge. 479,000K. So he's cheap. Very cheap for a premium. Um, his break-even is 66, and he's got the Cats this weekend. So it's another big game. But when he's playing in that in that mid midfield role, he's got 110, 110, 99, and 121. Um, Cotchin's got a hamstring that'll probably keep him out for a month. So that gives him a little bit more of that time in the midfield. And Prestia's probably one or two weeks away. He's had a little bit of a mini setback. So he's safe at least for another month in that midfield. Um, so... Look, it's really hard to keep ignoring him. He's one of my favourite players down at Richmond as well. So, look, I think you almost need to bring him in as a potential top six forward this year. Yeah, and one of the other good things about Shea is that he actually got scaled up almost 20 points after the game. So, if he keeps having that impact, he's going to get all of those scaling points too. Yeah, um, that's because he kicked the, the last two goals, I believe, maybe the last one that sealed it, but yeah, he got scaled up because he kicked really important goals and um, he only had 22 touches, which seems a bit absurd because he had 121 super coach, but it's the impact that he has on games. And he is almost our match winner this year, um, which is crazy to think because he's played with dusty um, and he is the ultimate match winner, but Shea Bolton is almost, I'm not going to say he's as good as dusty because I mean, if you're looking at a big game player, dusty is the guy that you would pick no matter what year we're looking. But um, Shea Bolton is slowly turning into a real match winner. And we know champion data love those match winners. So he's going to keep getting helped out by that scaling because he makes a huge difference on games. Timmy Taranto of the Giants, 490K, 52 break even, 100 average, 108 three-round average. Look, I started him because I knew that this guy would be a cheap option that would score like a primo because he's a pretty essentially a fallen primo. So we knew that he could do this. The Giants are starting to find their feet and they look at new, even a new side with Jesse Hogan up there and Timmy Taranto playing in the middle, drifting a little bit forward at times. He just looks at home. 
is he is he on your radar? Did you start him, Pado? Because I can't remember. Um, I know that I have him, and a fair few people do too. I didn't start him, um, but he's definitely on my radar now that he's actually playing midfield. Um, he got thrown around a little bit in the first few weeks, uh, but now that he's playing that real good midfield role, I think he's definitely should be on people's radars. He's under 500,000, which is super cheap as a fallen primo, um, but his break even is 52. So he's not going to be under 500,000 at all after this week. So um, definitely a trading target for me. His three round average of 108 is very big. Um, and look, I know we both started with his teammate as well, but I really like his teammate as a trading option as well. So why don't we jump toward to him now, Dano? Yeah, so we'll jump over to Josh Kelly. 508K, 105 break even, 129 on the weekend, playing on the motherfucking wing, which I told you guys that when Whitfield comes back, we could hopefully see a change in Kelly's role. It happened. Um, that's why I was trying to tell people not to trade Kelly out that started him because just wanted to see what would happen with Whitfield. But the question is, can he keep it up? Because traditionally he gets those monster fucking scores when he plays on the wing and then goes inside mid as well. So at the moment he's not really doing that, but is it Leon Cameron going, right, we're changing things up a little bit. We'll slowly integrate Kelly back into the inside mid role a bit more. Yeah, look, I'm really hoping because an average of under 100 looks really bad. Um, he's gone down 107,000. So when you talk of a fallen premium, um, Josh Kelly is that prime candidate and if he can get 129 without playing that proper inside midfield role, just imagine if he does integrate back into that midfield, what his scoring potential can be. Um, look, looks like he probably sewn up a wing now that Whitfield is back. So that's great news for us, Dano, for his scoring. Um, but even better news for people that don't have him because I think he's a really good trading option. And look, he hasn't been super disgraceful either. Like we give him a hard rap, but we expected like, him to be averaging 120 or so before round six, he hadn't dropped below 90. He had two scores of 90, two scores of 98 and one score of a hundred. So it wasn't completely disgraceful, but then he had the 69 that's really triggered his price drop. And then he's got the 129 in his back to his old wing roll. So that 69 is going to still be in that break even this week which is why it's at 105, but then it'll roll out. So if there is time to strike, it might even be wait a week with Kelly because even if he does break the break even of 105, he won't go up too much in price. But if he, let's say, gets in the 90s again, he's going to drop again. So I'd say maybe hold off a week on him before you make the decision, but it's up to you guys in the community, what you want to do. Uh, but that's what I say to do anyway. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that one, Dano. Um, give him one more week. His break even isn't super low, so it's not like he's got to shoot up in price. Um, but one more week against a team that he's averaging 110 against in the Bombers, um, just to see what if that role stays on or even if it improves by going in more inside mid. Yep. Ben Cunnington, the boy that I really... It sounds disgusting to say that I wanted to start him prior to the season commencing. Uh, but then he got injured, rah, 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 and then he got concussed. 
Sorry, he got concussed and then had the delayed concussion and whatnot, and he couldn't train properly. He's 452K, 44 break even. Got a big one for five last round. Um, has he found fitness? I, I believe so, but he's playing for a VFL side. So weigh, weigh that up as you will. Um, but I really liked him before the season started, and I want to see one more game out of him before I even consider Ben Cunnington, because I want to know that he's absolutely right. What do you reckon, Pato? Look, he's super cheap, 452000 And although he is playing for the worst club in the AFL, he's got a very juicy month ahead. Now, he's got Collingwood, Hawthorne, Essendon, and then St Kilda. So I really fancy him in this next month to really catapult himself and his scoring. I think he's finally found a bit of fitness after an injury-affected preseason. Um, don't look at his average because he's averaging 95, but I think he's finally hit fitness and I think he's a proven scorer. We know he's a contested beast. I think he can score pretty well from here on in. Yeah. Well, talk about your guy that you said you wanted to talk about later, which is now, which is Bailey Dale. So he's 444K. He's listed as a forward, but he's playing in defense in real life. He's got a 92 average, a 103 round average, and he's the ninth ranked forward. Yeah, um, another one that's really flying under the radar. He's already gone up 146,000, um, so he's clearly not a cash cow. With such limited forward options this year, I think Bailey Dale can be someone that could be in that final mix. So 444,000 is priced at, so still very cheap. Break even of 92, but here's where it gets interesting. Listed as a forward in Supercoach, but he's playing down back this year for the Doggies now. We know that playing in defense is really good for super coach. He scored 112 on the weekend. Very good score. Had a poor game against the Giants, but before that, he had 129 against the Suns. He had 84 against Brisbane. He had 95 against North, and he had 89 against the Eagles, and just a 72 against Collingwood. But that's his first game at AFL level in that defensive role. Um, I think he's found a really good role for himself. I think there's also a few more points available now that Dunkley's not playing for that Bulldogs team. And I feel like they're going to look to spread them out. Obviously, champion data, not the Bulldogs. They don't have any choice of where the Supercoach points get spread. But there's more points available now because Dunkley's 140 a week isn't going elsewhere. So Bailey Dale, I like. He's averaging 100 over his last three, 96 over his last five. So he passes the form versus flash in the pan test but only 92 over the over the year but that leaves him as a ninth ranked forward this year so look it's a little bit left of center as i've mentioned before but he's in just one percent of teams so look i think he could be a decent option and one to look out for yeah i don't mind it as such but i want to see more consistency like it sounds bad considering you heard his round averages and whatnot but, yeah, I just want to see it a little bit more. And if you get that little bit more out of him, then, yeah, he's definitely one to consider. Now, finish up with Titch because we mentioned him that this is probably the week that he's going to be at potentially his cheapest. Uh, so he's 508K at the moment. He scored a, a 105 on the weekend. His break-even's at 108. And at the moment, he's he's in the seven games, he's actually got four games above 100. The other three games, he's got a 90, a 76, and an 89. Now, he's been accumulating a fuck ton of the ball, but for some reason, champion data just don't think that his 
disposals are that impactful and they don't give him the points that he deserves, really. I mean, if McRae did the same thing as Tom Mitchell, he'd, he'd probably score higher, and which he is. And I, I honestly think it's unfair. And Tom Mitchell must have sledged champion data or something on fucking Twitter. I don't know. But, yeah. Anyway, um, what do you reckon, Pado? Do you reckon he's a good option? Yeah, super frustrating as an owner of him. Um, 38 touches for 105 super coach. Now you look at his stats and they actually look really good. As you mentioned, so seven marks, he's had five tackles. So his tackle numbers were down. So that could possibly give an explanation in previous weeks as to why he's not scoring as high as he has in the past years. But 13 contested possessions, five clearances. He's gone to 78%, which isn't horrible. It's not great, but not horrible. Um, just seems like a more than 105 super coach game. But in saying that, they got pumped. And champion data two do tend to reward the teams that are winning, especially winning by 70 points and probably rightfully so. Um, but yeah, super frustrating as an owner. The Hawks have the Eagles um, at the MCG. So we know how how much the Eagles love to travel. Um, so <laughs> he may have a decent game. I don't think the Eagles have been tagging either. So hopefully Titch gets off the, the chain a bit at the MCG on a Sunday Arvo um, and can get back to his 120, 130 scoring potential like he has shown in past years. Yep. We'll head on to the question time. So we only really had the one question this week which was from Tate, uh, avid listener. He always asks some questions. So he wants to know 470K or below mid slash defensive options that he could bring in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks, thanks Tate. We um, we love the engagement and we love that you post a, a question or two every week. So we really appreciate that one. Thanks, mate. Um, but, yeah, look, I have mentioned a few names already in this podcast of guys under 470,000. Um, I really like Bailey Dale as a forward option if you can swing that. Um, I don't know if you've had 479,000, but Shea Bolton is a great option if you can find that extra 9,000. Um, other than that, I like Stephen May um, and I like Cunnington. They're the four that I really like, um, but I'm probably missing someone really obvious. Dana, who am I missing? Um, to be honest, there's Jack Bowes, but he's an extra 9K, and he's one that we kind of just missed before. Um, he's still scoring like a motherfucking premium. Um, so his break-even's 84. He's 479.900. Got 110 last round. Uh, yeah, so there's him. Or my left-of-field one, who I was talking to you about prior to the podcast being done. So I want people to... Just hear me out on this. I'm talking a North Melbourne player up listed up forward that is not Jack Zebel. And that is Aaron Hall. So as soon as he got his role change, he's 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 got a delicious role playing in that North Melbourne like back line. It's just cheap posies. He went 133, but then he got concussed on 37, but he was looking like he was going to go 100 plus. Again, so then he missed round six and then he came back in round seven with 106. Now, his average is also affected by round two with the six that he got in round two. So with that, his break even is 105. He's listed at 415,500. I honestly reckon that this dude, it's finally time 
for him to start playing well. And like like Zebel, he's just absolutely killing it in his new role. And like he did start the year at 392K. So 450K is not too bad. Um, I do believe that he can make this break even. And he is a very left of field one. And I know that Tate likes a bit of a gonads play because he listened to us when we talked up Cam Guthrie before he exploded. So Tate, I'm going to say Aaron Hall might be your bet. Interesting one. Um, Personally, I don't like picking players from bottom 10 teams. Um, I know. I know. Aaron Hall is definitely on that spectrum. Um, There's one that we spoke about also prior to the podcast, Dano, as a forward. Um, I think you might know who I'm talking about pretty well because he plays for your team. Um, but I'll, before we talk about him, I'll mention another one that's just under 470,000 um, who's just coming off a big game and hopefully will catapult himself into some good scoring. Um, and that is Tim Kelly, only averaging the 92 on the year. But as we've mentioned, you're not bringing someone in on his averages so far. You're, you're bringing someone in to get their scores for the rest of the year. And Tim Kelly's coming off 131. Um, got the Hawks this week who are absolutely terrible this year. Um, could be a nice value option up in your midfield, Tate. Yeah. Um, the only way to remember it was uh, forwards and defenders that he was looking at. So you could potentially do a Rory led from defense into midfield and then get, um, or sorry, midfield to defense and then get that midfielder in, or you can do it the other way. I don't know. There might be some mid slash forwards that you can push up in uh, from your midfield down to forward line. But yeah, that's that's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. Now, do we want to talk about the guy that's in just 227 teams, Dano? Is this Jesse Hogan? This is Jesse Hogan. Okay. Okay. Jesse Hogan, I just I had this feeling that he was going to explode onto the scene because he's just what the Giants have been lacking. And he played the role that they wish John Patton had played without, you know, all of his injuries and then his fucking dick pick saga anyway um so jesse hogan now he played absolute fucking beast mode first game for the giants four goals one 15 disposals five marks one tackle he is going to get better and he's going to be playing this week against a team that's leaking fucking goals left right and center in essendon so yeah i don't mind that the only thing is when you bring him in you got to factor in his price isn't going to go up this coming week. It will the following week. And the following week, he's got Richmond at Marvel Stadium in round nine. And then after that, he's then at Giant Stadium against the Eagles. So he's coming up against two teams that actually have fucking rock-solid defences. So there's pros and cons to both. He could score fucking huge this, this week. And then we really need to see what he's like the next two weeks. What do you reckon, Pato? Uh, yeah, look, I really like him as a 310,000 option. Um, if you're going to bring him in, I would probably bring him in this week um, only to get that score against the Bombers, whose defense is horrible, um, and just wear him during that Richmond and West Coast matchup because then it kind of opens up a bit after that. So after the Tigers and the Eagles, they've got Brisbane, who are another rock-solid defensive team. But then look at this, North Melbourne, Carlton, 
Hawthorne. That is a brilliant three weeks. He plays during round 14, which is the really bad buy round if you haven't already started thinking about the buys. All right. And then he's got Melbourne, but then he's got the Suns, Swans, Essendon again, and then a couple of tough weeks. And then he finishes the season against Carlton. Um, so, look, it's risky, but you got to risk it for the Supercoach Biscuit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we won't talk about buyers this week, but it's something that we're going to have to start preparing for anyway. Um, but we'll now we'll go on to our main segment, which is the VC and C option. So we're not called the Supercoach co-captains for nothing. Every week we give you guys VC and C options to try and better your side. And we give some left field ones because nobody likes just the sp- stating the obvious, do they? They want some left fielders. They want some people that they can chuck in VC. And if they go fucking huge, then they look like geniuses. So, Pado, because it's your team, take it away on Friday night this week. Who's playing and who do you have as your VC option? All right. Uh, just quickly before we start on this next segment, Dana, I've got a bit of breaking news. And it comes on behalf of Supercoach IQ on Twitter. Um, really good Twitter account if you don't follow them already but they've mentioned that Alec Waterman got injured over the weekend so if you've got Alec Waterman sitting on your bench um, which sadly I do and I think a lot of other people do as well um, he had 11 touches and one goal on the weekend but then did his ankle in the second quarter so he came back on struggled through it but just couldn't get it going again so I don't know whether he's going to miss time, but uh, looks like that's another injury to add to our injury list, Dano. Well, there's a loophole option for people, but I'm pretty sure everyone had loophole options anyway. So... Yeah, I don't think we needed more. But anyway, let's talk about Richmond versus Geelong. So I won't do the obvious one, who's the guy coming back from overseas on the big stage, loves a big stage. I won't mention him. I'm going to mention Jeremy Cameron. So here's why. Here's why. Dylan Grimes got a mystery concussion on the weekend. So thanks, Josh Bruce, you fucking shit cunt. Anyway, oh, Dylan Grimes is missing this weekend. So Jeremy Cameron is someone that might get let off the hook. I think Bolter will go to Hawkins. Bolter has a pretty good record against Tom Hawkins, actually, for such a young defender. But Jeremy Cameron is the awkward one where I think Dylan Grimes would have gone to him. Now it might be an Asprey type who I don't think has the quickness to go with Jezza. So he could be a left field one that might get let off the chain on Friday night. That's that's quite interesting, to be honest. Um, but yeah, traditionally, Hawkins doesn't score well against uh, the Tigers. Um, last year, he got a 43. I think the previous year, he didn't score that great either. And in the grand final, obviously, he played shit too. So yeah. It's uh, Noah Bolter, Superman. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But our favourite, I've got to go with the STI man. That is the Garth. He is on fucking heat. And every week we say to VC and he fucking goes boom, boom. He explodes all over the place. So the Guff is my VC choice again. You just can't go wrong with the Guff. Yep, I like it. The other one that I was thinking of was actually Shea Bolton. So bit of bit, if you got him, Dusty coming back, um, as long as Bolton, Bolton's playing in the middle like he has been and absolutely carving it up, 
I reckon that he could have a huge impact in this game again and get those nice scaling points too. So there's another one. What do you reckon on short? Look, uh, just quickly on Shea Bolton. Last time against Geelong, he had a cheeky 135 super coach points from just the 16 touches. And yep, you bet your Cats fans, that was in that grand final. So suck shit. Anyway, um, <laughs> look, I don't mind Jaden Short as an option. Um, but yeah, look, he only generally does well in Richmond wins. And while obviously I hope we knock off the Cats yet again, um, it's not a sure thing. So we'll see how he goes with that one. Fair. Yeah, we'll move on to my mob which this is, I think, the first time we've had back-to-back our mobs. Um, my mob on the Saturday, the Giants taking on the Bombers, VC option. Let, let's. I think the fairly obvious one would be Ridley, um, even though he scored the 87 on the weekend. Um, I think it's fair to say that he'll be pretty comfortable if the Giants are just bombing it long, but... Timmy Taranto with the VC, I just like it. I just like it. And I'm not going to mention someone else in hopes that they, again, score high like I did with them last week. Yep. Uh, let's not mention him, but uh, yep. I like Taranto and I like Ridley. So, yep, see what happens here. Or Mumford against the kid if he plays. Well, yeah. So the mummy one will be interesting. We'll find out with teams. Hopefully teams come out on Thursday nights and they just miraculously change it this week. Um, but yeah, the Shane Shane Mumford one could be very interesting. He could beat up that little kid and probably get up on um, freaking child battery offences or whatever. Anyway, um, Gold Coast Suns versus St Kilda. The fucking this game makes me sad, um, just because. Yeah, I just can't get motivated by the Suns or the Saints at the moment. But anyway, who you got in this um, one, Pato? Yeah, it's still. Still going to be a more exciting game than the one after this one. But anyway, yes, um, I like I like Bose as an option for the Suns. Yep. Yep. Don't mind it. The fairly obvious one would be Jack Steele, but fuck the fairly obvious. <laughs> but yeah. Yep, they don't listen to the fairly obvious, mate. The other the other one considering that the Suns don't have a ruck at the moment. He could go with Rowan Marshall potentially as a VC, even though he's got Ryder taking the hit outs off of him as well. Yeah, it's that's another option in my mind. Um, the other one could be if people have him, and I'd be interested to see how many do, is Took Miller. Don't like the Took Miller one, only because the Saints are such a contested midfield team uh, with Crouch. Steele, uh, Zach Jones. I just think they've got too many of that contested type. I don't think guys like Greenwood and Took Miller will have a big game. Um, but, I mean, I've been wrong plenty of times before. Well, I only say this because Tookie, from round four onwards, has scored a – well, actually, even round two. Round two, we got a 131. Round three, got 78. Round four, got 132. Round five, got 96. Round six, got 146. And then round seven got 115. So he's actually playing pretty freaking good. And he's 25 years of age. Yeah, we know that he likes to tag from time to time, but it looks like Stewie Jew's just like, nah, fucking just go eat all of the fucking pies and do what you want and just fucking destroy it out there. Tookie, just go for gold. So Took Miller's my left field option there. Yeah, interesting to see what happens there. Yep, yep. Now the blockbuster game of the round. 
the VFL side versus the new VFL side in North Melbourne versus Collingwood. Who do you have, Pato? Yeah, not, sure, not sure many people care about this game at all, but uh, here's someone that I reckon could score 180, and it's going to hurt saying his name, but oh, no. Jack Siebel. Jack fucking Siebel. I have to. It's an obvious one, but Collingwood were fucking woeful on the weekend just with their pressure on the ball. The Suns moved it like they were prime Hawthorne back when Clarko's cluster was all the rage. Um, and the Suns aren't that good. They're showing improvement, but they're not that good. Collingwood made them look like a top four team. Um, that's how pathetic their on-ball pressure was. And if Zebel and co are going to get that sort of room to move on the weekend, Zebel could score 180. And I can actually see North Melbourne winning this game. And I actually hope it happens. You know, I hope it happens too, because I would love to see Collingwood finish bottom. So then the Giants get their number one pick. Brilliant. It would be fucking magnificent. The other fairly obvious one would be Brody Grundy. Other than that, there's not really too much going on. Yeah, that they'd be the VC options for there. Anyway, we'll move on to Melbourne versus the Swannies. Um, even though he had a drop off, I'll say Maxi gone, but the I probably won't put him C this week myself because of just waiting to see what they do with him, whether they just continually take him off the ground or whether they play him up forward, like you said, Pato. Yeah, I think there's too much doubt there. I won't be putting the C on him myself either. Um, an option from this game might be finally Clayton Oliver getting a bit of captain uh, attention, much deserved, mind you. Um, or you look at someone like Lloyd, maybe for Sydney. But, yeah, tricky one for Gorn. I hope he goes big but I'm not sure if I can risk the C on him. Now, with the Lloyd call just then, I'm just completely spaced on him before. So, Jakey Lloyd's probably at the cheapest he's ever going to be at 562K. So, his break-even's 120. Yeah, he can definitely get it. But, like, I don't think he's going to get any cheaper. So, it might actually be time for people to jump on Jakey Lloyd if they don't have him, which I'm one of them. So there's another thing to consider that we forgot to talk about on the run sheet earlier. So good pointing that one out there, Pato. Yeah, look, I didn't even think of it because I've had him since the start. But just looking now, he's only in 34% of teams, which is quite surprising. But in saying that, he was very expensive before the season. So not overly surprising. But yeah, absolutely agree. If you don't have Jake Lloyd, this could be the week to bring him in. Yep. Um, another one that could be a huge choice is Christian Petrarca. I don't like saying it. People keep comparing him to Dustin Martin and he's not Dustin Martin and his face fucking annoys me. Anyway, um, he could explode out there as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I feel like they might put a bit of attention on him. Um, just with JPK and Luke Parker, I feel like they could do the same thing as what they did against Dusty um, a few weeks ago and did it really well. So we'll see what happens there. Anyway, we'll go on to the showdown, which is uh, the Port Adelaide wannabe magpies. I mean, power versus the Adelaide Crows, uh, the pride of South Australia. So third versus 13th. Um, but as we know with these showdown games, um, anything can fucking happen. And it doesn't matter about ladder position in these. And I'm, I'm expecting some injuries, to be honest. Uh, who do you have as an option in this one, Pato? I, as a left field one, I really like Rory Sloan. Yep. Yep. Don't mind it. I've got a left field one too, but from the other team, and that's Ollie Wines. 
Now, I'm pretty sure I mentioned Ollie Wines last week, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Ollie Wines, I just get this vibe of the dude is going to fucking absolutely kill it. Um, I did, I think I've said him the last two weeks, but one week he got a 143, then one week he got a 91. So it's, it seems to be that I got I got the theory on he's got he scores over a hundred every second week. So listen to this. Round one, he got an 81. Round two, he got a 104. Round three, he got 84. Round four, he got 106. Round five, he got 98. Then round six, he got 143. Then round seven, he got 91. So the, the, uh, the scores are slowly increasing more and more on the alternating week. So crazy theory, crazy theory. It's got no validity to it, but he could go 100 plus this week. Very interesting. Yeah, stupid pattern, I know. But anyway, um, <laughs> the other one coming back from injury, Travis Boak. Fairly obvious choice, though. I don't see Tex Walker scoring well, though. No, nah, Walker will get towed up by Tommy Jonas. Yep, fair. Anyway, we'll move on to Sunday's game. So these boys can be your captaincy options. Uh, start off with Hawthorne versus West Coast. I'm going to say the guy that I said a few weeks ago and he absolutely fucking sputtered. But anyway, <laughs> Tim Kelly. Um, your talk of him earlier has made me want to re-pick him as a captaincy option. I wouldn't back it fully, though, because there's better options in the next two games. Uh, but Tim Kelly's one of my left fielders. Yeah, I uh, don't mind it at all. Um I, I think I said it last week, maybe even the week before, but I think Tom Mitchell is well overdue for a big, big score. And it could be against the Eagles this weekend. I can't see anyone else scoring that great, to be honest. Hopefully Tom Phillips, but uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, nah, I think I think you just got to give up hope there, mate. <laughs> Western Bulldogs versus Carlton. So this is one of the two games where you can have your captaincy options. Um Sam Walsh and Jack McRae are the two fairly obvious ones for me. Uh, do you have anyone else, Pato? Um, other than those two, I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head. Maybe a Trelaw. Maybe Carlton Will said Ed Kono to Jack McRae, um, and that could send someone like Trelaw off the chain a little bit. Um, Bontempelli is another one, um, but he's someone that could go head-to-head with Crips and maybe nullify each other. Um, but there's a lot of midfield talent coming in that game. And the other one that I can think of who, and he'd be more of a draft league choice than anything, would be Harry Mackay. He's fucking, he's averaging in the 90s. He, and he's prone to kicking big bags of goals and high disposals here and there. And he could absolutely go 140 plus in this game, in my opinion, because Carlton are relying heavily on him. So, but I think Sam Walsh and Jack McRae are the better options um, in this game. So we'll move on to the final game. Brisbane Lions versus Fremantle Dockers. You can't ignore his fucking sexy form and that's humor cluggage. Yep. Um, there's four really, really op- good options that I like from this game. Um, McCluggage, as you said, um, I like Jared Lyons. Um, yep. I also like Fife and Brayshaw from the Dockers. Um, they're the four for me. Yeah, that's pretty much the four that I was going with too. But you beat me to it, you prick. Anyway, (laughs) 
Um, that was a pretty good show there, Pato. Um, hopefully we can have a bit more luck because last week a lot of teams had a fair bit of carnage. Um, so, yeah, hit us up on our socials. Uh, so mine on Instagram is at D-A-N-E-O-S triple C. Pato, what is your handle on Twitter? Mine is at Pato S triple C. That's P-A-T-T-O-S triple C. Yep, and hit us up on Facebook. Uh, we try and get you content as quick as we can. Um, no real super bold breaking news um, for this podcast at the moment, but hopefully the return of Thursday night fucking announced teams comes because the AFL is so out of touch with the fans. I think it was like 98% of fans wanted the Thursday night teams back, wasn't it, Pato? Yeah, uh, the whole fucking planet wants Thursday night teams. Uh even people in England and India with 380,000 COVID cases a day. They all want Thursday night teams, AFL, so fucking get it sorted. Fuck yes. Anyway, that's all we got time for this week, guys. I am Dano. And I am Pato. And this is the Super Coach co-captain signing the fuck off. <laughs>